Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's get right into it this morning. Psalms chapter 133. Amen. Father, we loose the word of the Lord today. Everybody hold your hands out. We receive the word. Let it wash over us, Lord. Cleansing us, equipping us, and empowering us. In Jesus' name. We all say it. Amen. <laughs> the Lord is good. Oh, it's good to see Isaac Snow back there too. Amen. We love Isaac Snow. Isaac sold me the best mattress I ever owned. Until it got saggy in the middle. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Psalms 133. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago... Um, I began to be aware of a new anointing. One of the things that being in the ministry almost 50 years is that the Lord has given me an acute awareness of the anointings that he brings. Not that I'm an expert, of course, of that, but I've learned to recognize the different moves of God in my life and as well as in us corporately because there's a season and a time for each thing that unfolds in the kingdom. The Lord has ordained things since the foundation of the world. And there's this, this a matter of us getting in tune with what the Lord's doing. And so in this hour, the Lord is really bringing Psalms 133 to light. And we have to understand that in the Psalms of Ascent, that number 133 is bef the, before the last Psalm, which is Psalms 134. There's 15 Psalms that, that chronicle the children of Israel taking a journey from Babylon, the prophets had spoken that, and the, the Babylonians had released them to be set free. But only a remnant of people, one out of 10, actually took the journey out of Babylon to return to Jerusalem. They'd became comfortable in their captivity. And that's a whole nother message. But as they heard the word of the Lord to come back and restore the temple and to build once again the house of the Lord, um, they, they begin to sing these psalms, and they're called the Psalms of Ascent, because you go to Jerusalem, you're going uphill. You, you know, Jerusalem is surrounded by mountains, or hills, I guess some would say, uh, but it's, it's a place to go up to. We're climbing up to this place, and so on this journey, they first of all had the realization of their sin, and their weakness, and their inadequacy. And they begin to turn away from that and they begin to turn to the Lord. It says, one scripture says, we're going to turn to the Lord from where our help comes from. He's in the hills around about us. And time we get to Psalms 133, we see the, the, the crowning jewel of what creates an establishment of the temple. And it's found in this chapter. And I want to read it to you. You're all familiar with it, but let's read it together. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. Psalms 133. For brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the, the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon. When we were in uh, descending upon the mountains of Zion, for the, there the Lord commands the blessings, life evermore. When we were in Israel, we drove to this place where we could uh, actually see the Mount of Hermon. And I believe it's like on the border of Lebanon in Israel. Is that correct? 
And we didn't actually go to the mountain, but it was a beautiful sight because this mountain is like covered perpetually with this mist, like a foggy mist. And this, the water just drips down on the mountain and forms, is actually the headwaters of the Jordan River. And it flows down out of the, from the mountain to the Jordan River and then ultimately to the Dead Sea. And uh, it was such a beautiful sight. It was so supernatural actually looking at it that it's just hard to imagine that thousands of years ago, the psalmist was looking at the same mountain, observing the same flow. But it's this flow that comes from the Lord that comes when unity is reached into. And I felt this anointing of unity. And it was so incredible because this anointing of unity immediately began to instill in my own heart the spirit of peace. And so I began to ask the question, what does this mean? Well, peace is an elusive word for many people. It has been for me in my life. It's been hard to grasp what does peace really mean? Well, the scripture says that God will give us so much peace that it will rule and it will guard our hearts. It literally delivers us out of this place of futility or frustration, anxiety, and fear, and brings us into this place of total contentment and total acceptance. And I want to get into that a little bit this morning because this is one of the, the greatest anointings I've ever experienced. And I've had a lot of anointings. I've had a lot of what you'd call thrills in the Lord, but I've never had anything this deep and this significant until now. I, I thought I knew what unity was about. And the great news is, I can report this morning, I think that in my own journey, and I believe in yours as well, we're only at the beginning of exploring what unity really means. It's a good thing to talk about, isn't it? We all agree that we should be one, don't we? We all agree that we should be one with our spouse and one with one another, one with other churches. But to actually see it happen, and I guess this thing that's taking place between Austin Cathedral and One Chapel um, has really brought this to the forefront. Because this is the time when we really begin to see what unity's like. It's easy to have unity when you have unity with someone that you think is just like you. But unity is not so easy when you have to be one with people that maybe are a little different than you are. And so when we came into this relationship with Ross and Ross and One Chapel, the, um, and some of this is repeating things I've already said, but when we came into this relationship, um, the thing that we both realized that after we'd been meeting for months is that we never talked about our differences. Just maybe casually say something. We never talked about our styles, our likes and dislikes. But what we finally concluded a week ago was that this is happening because of our love for each other and our mutual humility. And then the, 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 when you come to a place when you love and you humble, then you set an atmosphere of creation. Everything is created by this agreement that comes between you and someone else. And it's just a beautiful thing that begins to unfold. So when we walk together, we release 
an anointing, a blessing that we cannot even contain. There's not room enough to, to hold the blessing that comes. Wouldn't you like to be blessed so much that you turn and say, hey, God, it's too much blessing. <laughs> Lord, you're going to have to back off or it's going to kill me. I'm not used to being treated with such favor. I'm not used to being accepted this way. Lord, this is too good to be true because, see, the devil's been trying to convince you all along that you didn't deserve it, that you didn't earn it, that you didn't merit it. So why are you getting blessed all of a sudden? And you look around and other people aren't because you have made a commitment to unity. So unity, though, must be established first. And let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And these are things that you're very well acquainted with, but it's good to reacquaint ourselves this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us also the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ. Where was God? He was in Christ. What was he doing? Reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, and is committed to us also this word of reconciliation. Therefore, now we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So unity begins with Christ. God was in Christ re reconciling us to the Father. He said, Father, here's your sons and daughters. And then the sons and daughters say, you are our Father. Because this reconciliation is this, this marriage that takes place between the fathers and the sons. Reconciliation is meant to bridge the gap of division. Reconciliation is a mediation that takes place between God and man. Christ was the mediator. Everybody say Christ the mediator. He stood in this place knowing that there could never be this reconciliation between fallen man and righteous God unless there was this this son that came to give himself by shedding his own blood so that it would make possible that all of us could have remission of sin so that now we could be lifted up into this place where we could meet God face to face and we could become the righteousness of God through the blood of Christ. Amen? Amen. Isn't that beautiful? That's the whole essence of our salvation is learning that, that the cross connects heaven and earth. The cross connects God and man. That's why we love the old rugged cross, right? Paul said, I'm determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Does that mean that all Paul preached about constantly was the cross, the cross, the cross? No, but it's the 
It's the, it's the epicenter, the foundation of creating oneness. The cross is what lets us have access now. It says in the scripture, we have access now into the Father because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And see, unity is all about access, isn't it? Because you can't really be one with someone if you don't have access to that person. So when you, to, to be one with God, we have to understand that we have a free access to him. That any time we call upon his name, there he will be for us. He is nigh thee, it says, even in thy heart and even in thy mouth. The Lord is nigh you or near you. If, get out of the King James. The Lord is near you in your heart and in your mouth. So there's this constant thing of understanding that through this reconciliation, through this mediation, God has given us his presence in the midst of us. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This connection that brings heaven to earth, it brings the reality of his presence, his spirit to the midst of us, the natural man. We become this spiritual man that's now able to perceive and understand in all the things of God because the, in this connection, God has given us his own mind and his own heart, his own will. It's become integrated within us that we're just like him. It says, just as he is, so are we also in the earth. We have the, see, just as Christ had this intimate knowledge of the Father and, and this access to the Father, you as a son of God have the same access. You just may not realize it yet. Amen. When we realize it, watch out. Hallelujah. When we realize the connection that we have. Because it's not about what you do, it's who you know. How many know the Lord? Amen? Amen. God brings us together. See, unity of the Father also then opens the door to a different kind of unity with one another. It's just like the scripture says about love. You first of all, love God with all your heart and your mind. And I think I paraphrase this a little bit. Your strength, your soul, everything within you, love the Lord. First commandment. What's the second commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. And so unity is really an expression of love. Because if you say that you have love for God, but you hate your brother, then the Bible says you're called a liar, a deceiver. How can a man say, I love God? but I don't love so-and-so. I don't love this group because they teach different than we do. I don't love that group because they act different than we do. I don't love this group because they smell different than we do. When I ministered in Kuwait years ago, I had to learn to love in spite of the smell. And these were great people, but they lived in a very hot climate. <laughs> and uh, they don't have the American at least for most of you, the American concept of hygiene. So every night we ministered to everyone that was there and four or 500 people would be in the line every night. For some reason they felt like if they could just get prayed for enough, it might help them. Sometimes that works, right? They were hungry and smelled and uh, great people, but they smelled. But I had to be willing to overlook their smell in order to minister to them. Because if I took that personal, I couldn't have had unity with them. See, unity must mean that there has to be a mutual love 
for one another. And what does love do? Love covers a multitude of smells. Amen. It covers a multitude of sins. When you really love, you don't judge. Judgment comes because you don't really love. Because the more you love, the less you'll judge. The less you love, the more you'll judge. Because when you love, you don't view people from your perspective anymore. You're viewing them from his perspective. And Christ did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. So I find myself when I'm making judgments, I realize it's only an indication of my lack of unity. The more you judge, the more it indicates your estrangement from the Lord. Because if you really know him, but Paul said, if I got to know the Lord, the power of his resurrection, it wasn't just so Paul could get a thrill a minute. You know, it was because Paul, knowing that if he knew who the Lord was and what the Lord, who the Lord is to him, then that was a way he could know who his people are. See, the knowledge of God will give you the knowledge of his people. You don't, go, you don't do it backwards. Well, I'm gonna know the people and then I'll get to know God later. No, you love the Lord God with all your heart first. And then that translates this unity with the Father, opens the, the, the door. Look in Ephesians chapter two. And uh, wow, I like this. Hey, is everybody on live stream, are you liking what you hear this morning? I wanna hear a big amen. Okay, we're finding out if they're awake. Ephesians chapter two, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have now been made near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the, the middle wall of division between us. He abolished in his flesh the enmity. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So as to create in himself Listen to this, one new man from the two. Unity always creates a new man. That's not been evident before. When you accept Christ, remember we just read, you become a brand new creation in the Lord. That should be how transformative when you accept the Lord through faith, believe that he's the son of God and receive him into your heart, that should be how transformed you really are that you become a brand new person. You said, well, I don't feel like I'm a brand new person. Maybe you need to go back and revisit your, commit, your faithfulness, your faith. Because faith always births you to become a brand new person. Doesn't mean you're perfected yet, but it means you're on the journey of perfection. It means that you're going to be constantly prodded by the Holy Spirit to get your stuff in gear. Amen? Right? Because when, when you're with the Lord, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. You just don't keep living your life the way you choose without God being on your case. In fact, the Bible calls him the hound of hell. Woof, woof. <laughs> Lord, I don't want to hear, woof, woof. I don't want to hear that sound because I know the Lord is after me. Amen. Never learned much about the devil, but I do kind of have a little bit of 
respect for him because he, he means business. And the Lord loves he chases and he scourges every son to receive it so that afterwards it'll reap the peaceable fruit of righteousness. That's what I want. I want righteousness in my life. I go through a lot of stuff that I, I, I call it self-imposed exile. Or, con, or what do you call it, Esther? Self-imposed, lock yourself in, in my life. I've gone through a lot of that and thinking that other things are my problem, but really it was me that God was trying to get attention to, to say, Lord, I'm one with you. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice, the gift that you made. Now I can have access by faith into the Father where I could actually say, Abba, Father. I can have such an intimate relationship with him that it's transformative to my life. So let's, where, where are we at? What verse? Okay, 16. That he might reconcile them both to God in one body. Everybody say one body. One body. The scripture says another place, one body, one faith, one baptism. We're all one together. Is division oneness? No. It's the opposite of oneness, isn't it? Division creates isolationism that separates us so that fear can rule and reign in our life instead of love. Unity creates faith that overcomes love, overcomes fear. Amen? Faith overcomes fear. Love overcomes fear. So when we, we become one new man from the two, thus what happens when you bring two together and make one new man? Now it says, now you have peace. What's the kingdom? What, how do you define the kingdom? What does it say in the scripture? Righteousness. What's the kingdom is Righteousness. Peace and joy. Does it say peace in there? I did too. And love. It says a lot of things. Those three words say a lot of words. <laughs> Righteousness, peace, and joy. The peace of God comes when unity happens. And this is what I experienced. It's like freaking me out. Because all of a sudden, this unity that's coming is a unity not only with God and with others, but it's a unity between my spirit and my soul. See, the, the scripture says that my mind, which is your soul, your mind's part of your soul, isn't it? Is an enmity against God. In other words, an enmity means he's always fighting and always disputing, always in conflict. Isn't that what an enemy does? An enemy is always in conflict with you. They're disputing who you are. They're disputing your position. They're trying to challenge you on your throne. They're always coming against you. And so when, when you're, you're living in your natural mind, you're always in this constant conflict. So it's an enmity against the spirit. The mind is an enmity against the spirit. It does not have the spirit's interested heart. But when you begin to walk into the spirit of unity, you abolish the division that's kept you in confusion and frustration. Now, all of a sudden, it's replaced by a word called peace. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, it says in the book of Isaiah. 
the prince of peace is coming. So this is something that's transforming my life. And, and I, I lived in it now long enough to where I can preach about it because you often know that some of you get a little bit of momentary inspirations that go away. You know, kind of like when you eat pizza, things go away after a while that you get inspired by from the pizza. And, and it's almost like sometimes you wonder, is this really real? Amen. But it's going along long enough now to where I know it's real. I mean, I want my faith to be tested. I want it to be proven. And I don't go out and seek to be tested and proven. You know, don't come up and slap me on the cheek just to see how I'm going to respond. Please. If you happen to do that, though, hopefully I'll respond the right way. But we don't know for sure. So you got to be careful. Yeah. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and don't leave Ephesians there. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. For let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen? See, when you get into this peace, fear has no validity in your life or no effect upon you. The peace of God will rule and guard your heart. And this was evidenced in, for me, not so much just from a good feeling, but through practical living in the home with this woman I've lived with for 51 years. Because you know living with someone, even if it's for a year or two or 51 years, there's something about their personality that irritates you. Maybe none of you, but I've had some of this. And some of you would not understand it because how could anyone as perfect as Sue Hart ever irritate anybody? So the irritation wasn't Sue, the irritation was in me. Amen? God gave me a perfect woman so that it would force me to change. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. If she had had any flaws, I'd have an excuse. But she had no flaws. And so when this thing began to take place in me, I didn't read a marriage counseling book or go to a seminar on how to be a better husband or uh, research it online, 10 easy steps to becoming a better man, none of that stuff. I simply began to walk in unity with the Lord more and walking in with my brother. And all of a sudden I found this peace between my wife and I that was something I haven't, I've missed. I don't know if I ever had it in 51 years like I have it now. Amen? And yesterday was the proof in the pudding. We're cleaning out the upstairs, moving beds around, doing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it's get stuff. And so I'd put some electronic stuff up there and, and I was on the phone and I was looking for Sue. Sue, Sue, Sue. And I saw the light. So she's upstairs. So I went upstairs and she'd moved all the electronic stuff. I had little piles of electronic stuff. 
you know, this electronic stuff, this, and so you put the piles of the cables and all this, so you want to make sure you don't mix any of that up. And so it's all moved. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, danger, danger. (laughs) What's going to come out of me now? (laughs) You know, well, I said a little something and she kind of like, and, uh, but I didn't, I didn't retaliate. I didn't retaliate, did I? The peace of God that passes all understanding filled that room. <laughs> Amen. And I, my spirit wasn't budged one inch. I didn't have any reaction. You know, and I, this happened a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm talking, sometimes I tend to have the runoff of the mouth disease. How many of you have ever had a case of that? That's worse than the coronavirus case of runoff of the mouth disease. Then all of a sudden something will come out of your mouth that's not pure or that's not right, that's offends somebody. And so I'd have the runoff of the mouth disease and I'd say something and Sue would say something. And then I'd feel this volcano inside of me. It's like it's volcano and you're suppressing it. It wants to blast off, but you're holding it down. And you know that if you're not careful, you have to start zipping your lip because all of a sudden all this stuff is going to come pouring out of you. And then when it does, it makes everything 10 times worse. So then you have to spend the next few hours cuddling up and repenting and crawling on the floor and bringing peace offerings in order to see if you can just have some kind of peace, right? How many know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there, done that? Or am I the only exception? Okay. So (laughs) I'm sitting there talking, you know, like I do. I had the run off of the mouth. The TV's going. I'll just start talking, you know. And uh, I know it aggravates soon and it aggravates my daughter because sometimes she'll be talking. I'll just start talking. And so, Dad, you're talking right over me, you know. And uh, so I repent. I repent. But um, I'll be better. So she says, shut up. Quit talking. Well, either turn the TV off or quit talking. And used to, boy, I just, I just sat there and I waited for the, and it didn't happen. I said, wow, it's a peace of God was in my spirit. And I'll swear, the last three weeks, it's been weird. <laughs> So either this works or I'm actually losing my mind. <laughs> Amen. So let me read on. And I got I to gotta move along here. Um, okay. It says, God in one body through the cross, putting the death the enmity. And he came and preached to peace to who were far off and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit into the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. You see, when you get this, it takes away all this stranger and foreigner feeling you may be feeling. It's like when you come into the house of God and you feel like you're a stranger. You feel like well, they don't really know me. They're not really with me. I don't under, they don't understand me. When you get in this spirit, that all leaves. All this insecurity leaves. All this not feeling like you're worthy or you can measure up or you're saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. And all of that leaves because now you have the confidence of this commitment and this unity. Amen? When you really love somebody, you're going to be bonded in a way that 
literally is so wonderful. It's creating what the scripture talks about, this love feast that takes place and how Paul exhorts them. Beloved, the love that you're to have for one another. Amen. Let this love that, that there's no way to, to measure it, height or depth or width, the love of God that surpasses all understanding will rule and guard your heart. That's what happens in the midst of this unity and peace. He goes on to say uh, that we're no longer strangers. We're members of the same household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the home building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you're also being built together. Everybody say, built together. Why are we being built together? It says that we may become a habitation of God in the Spirit. Hallelujah. When you dwell together in unity, there God commands a blessing to flow that you cannot contain. Amen. Unity, oneness is incredible. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Colossians says, and let the peace of God rule into your heart in which you were also called in one body and be thankful. Amen? Well, let me give you a few pointers then I'm gonna quit. So we seek unity with the Father, right? We also seek unity with our own spirit. Then we seek unity with others. And how do we do that? First of all, let me give this to you. We yield ourselves. When you come to the Lord, you must come with an open book of yielding your heart. Because the more you yield, the more he becomes real to you. It's in direct correlation to the submission of your heart that you'll receive revelation from him. Don't think that God will give you revelation if your heart is not yielded to receive. Because the Lord only gives to the open heart and the yielded heart. He can only speak to that scenario. He cannot speak to your hardness. He also cannot speak to you if you haven't learned how to forgive others. The greatest, the greatest challenge that we have is learning to be forgiven by Christ, and then also learning how to forgive as Christ forgave. Matthew tells us that if we don't do that, then we've shut ourselves off from the Lord. It's all like putting ourselves in hell. An unforgiving spirit is like living in a living hell because you're living with the tormentor. But when you forgive, you also will be forgiven. Father, forgive us this day our daily debts as you forgive those that have sinned against us. We forgive them, Lord. We, get, we release them from their bondage. So we yield ourselves. We move into a spirit of forgiveness. Now Isaiah 26, 3. Let me read that if I find it here. Isaiah 26, 3. Are 
Are you enjoying it this morning? Wow. Get ready for some fun things. I want to hear some good testimonies from you guys about this peace that gets all over you. Verse 3, 26, Isaiah, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Amen? So why don't you try this today and tomorrow? Ever so often, maybe every 30 minutes, every hour, maybe you're not that spiritual yet, maybe every two hours, just turn your heart to the Lord. Lord, my mind stayed upon you. Wow. Just spend a moment with God. Maybe if it, oh, it doesn't take a long time. It just takes some time. Wow. I love you, Jesus. Whose mind is stayed upon the Lord, he will have perfect peace. Amen? Wow. Everybody say wow. Everybody on live stream say wow. Now go up and kiss the screen. No, just joking. If you have a phone, it's easy. All right. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> the next thing, we humble ourselves. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. How many are looking for revival? Okay, there's your secret. You want to be revived? Humble your heart. Yield yourself. Forgive. And be forgiven. The, the next one really could have been the first one is love. Love is probably first. Yet love is only revealed fully when we receive the one who loves us. We love because he first loved us. And he gave himself for us. And just as he loved the world, we also must love it as well. We must love this world. Some people will say, oh, I can't wait to escape this world. I can't wait to get out of this world. I can't wait to get, get out of this misery and these problems we have. No, you love the world. You give your life for it. And that means you give your life for one another. In giving your life for your wife, you will find your wife. When you give your life to your husband, you will find your husband. When you give your life back to the Lord because he first gave to you, you will find who he really is because then his love is expressed through you. You become a reflection of love. The love didn't originate with us, but we become a reflection of his love. We become an ambassador of it. So our reconciliation with the Father and one another brings ultimately to the place where peace is found and experienced. And the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is revealed for all the world to see. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, stand up with me this morning. Well, I, I assume the restaurants are open today.
If they aren't, we'll, we'll get drive-through. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. Just reach your, your hands up with the Lord this morning and just spend a moment. Just ask God to speak this word to your heart. And I know some of you don't need it, but boy, I did. I did. I needed it. I need to hear this. Because Lord, I want the peace of God that rules and guards my heart to reign. See, the fear will reign in us. Unbelief will reign in us. Disappointment will reign in us. Our faith will reign in us. Love will reign in us. Unity will reign in us. Lord, this day, which would you choose to serve? Are you going to serve your fear? Are you going to serve your anger, your jealousy, your unforgiveness? Are you going to serve your flesh? Are you going to reserve your resentment? Are you, are you going to serve bitterness? Are you, are, are you going to serve the Lord today? Are you going to give your heart to Him, the one that comes to reconcile you to the Father? So I pray, Lord Jesus, this morning, you become so real to all of us that we so readily reach out and accept the great gift that you gave us through your sacrifice on the cross. That, Lord, we'd not let one drop of your blood be in vain to us. But every drop that you shed, let that cleanse us this morning from all of our unrighteousness. And restore us, O God, unto your Father. That we may call him our Father. And that he may call us his people. And then, Lord, let that translate and let it be demonstrated to the world. That we may reach out and incorporate one another into that same family. Into that same unity that transforms the world. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.